The Going Viral podcast from Health Ed shares the latest information on COVID-19 from authoritative voices and leading experts. You can find all episodes at healthed.com.au or if you're a registered health professional, you can listen on the Health Ed app as well as access many educational resources to support your professional development and practice. Health Ed's face-to-face seminars are starting up again in 2022. And we hope that you will be able to join us for a day of high quality learning with a lineup of great speakers and important topics in women's and children's health. I'll be chairing a number of these events and I look forward to seeing you there. Register at healthed.com.au. Hello and welcome to Health Ads Going Viral. I am Dr. David Lim. There have been a lot of requests for information on monkeypox, with cases now confirmed in Australia. Nick will give you a practical briefing on this new addition to the infectious diseases circulating in Australia. Hello everyone, I'm Associate Professor Nick Wood from NCRS, and today we'll be providing a monkeypox update. So as you will have heard in the press, there have been cases of monkeypox around the world and there are two cases in Australia so far confirmed, one in Victoria and one in New South Wales. And globally, around about nearly 100 monkeypox cases have been confirmed. Um, The first case discovered in Australia was actually spotted by a GP um, who had recognised the the rash and, and the story and then put two and two together and actually tested for monkeypox. So monkeypox is a um, viral zoonotic infection, obviously caused by the monkeypox virus. Uh, Mainly it's an issue in Central and West Africa, and the animal hosts are traditionally rodents and non-human primates. There are two clades, there's the Central African clade and the West African clade, and the Congo Basin or the Central African clade has traditionally been the one that is more likely to cause more severe disease um, end up with a higher death rate and to be more transmissible. There have been cases from travellers over the last 10 years. There was a fairly large outbreak in the US in 2003, uh, which was linked to infected prairie dogs that had been housed with rats that were infected. So it was transmission in in that way. Um, So after a human is infected, they can infect um, other humans through several avenues. Uh, respiratory droplets and aerosols, but it has to be from prolonged face-to-face contact. It's not just a fleeting contact, okay? Um, close contact with bodily fluids or the monkeypox lesions, or if you've got fairly close and prolonged contact with indirect, um, uh, indirect contact with items that have been contaminated, um, such as clothing or bedding. Uh, there is a long incubation period um, of about 5 to 21 days, but there's a low risk of asymptomatic spread. And once the scabs have fallen off, the person is no longer contagious. So it's felt that in the cases that we have so far, there have been prolonged contact, uh, physical contact. It may be something that, as time goes on, that appears to be common in the um, MSM population. Um, in, the, in the groups, in the cases reported so far, but but I think that's not quite um, sorted out, and it's something to be to be that you know the epidemiologists and clinicians are, are looking at right now. 
Right, so the clinical infection can be divided into two periods. There's an invasion period between zero to five days, and the person has fever, headaches, lymphadenopathy, back pain, muscle aches. Um, importantly, the lymphadenopathy is a distinctive feature, and that's what makes it slightly different to chickenpox. And then the skin eruption happens, which is usually one to three days after the fever. And the rash is more concentrated on the face and the extremities, but can also be on the palms of the hands and the soles of the feet, but also can affect mucous membranes, genitalia, conjunctiva and cornea, and can end up with scarring in the cornea. Uh, the, the skin rash goes through these stages here, and there's some pictures of it. You can see the little uh, exanthem, and then the macule, which becomes a papule, which becomes a pustule. Um, which can then um, ulcerate and then it crusts over and then the scab finally falls off. This whole process can take about a week to 14 days. Um, so that's the sort of rash that, that your little papules and macules that you're looking for. Um, the severity is that this condition is usually self-limiting, um, symptoms lasting two to four weeks. Uh, we do see more severe cases in children and those that are immune suppressed. Uh, those that are younger than 40 are uh, um, probably a little bit more likely to get severe disease because they're unlikely to have had a past um, smallpox vaccine. Uh, some of the complications you can get include secondary infection, encephalitis, sepsis and bronchopneumonia. Um, and the death rate, as I mentioned before, is, is higher in, in the West African clade. The following message is a community service announcement. I'm Professor Andrew Sindoni, cardiologist at Concord Hospital in Riot Hospital in Sydney. I'm talking today about the fact that we may be missing aortic stenosis in primary care. New prevalence data actually shows that many severe symptomatic people with aortic stenosis in Australia go undiagnosed or untreated. The prevalence of symptomatic severe aortic stenosis in Australia is about 60,510 people but only 7,073 of those with people with severe symptomatic aortic stenosis receive aortic valve replacement. Certain factors do increase the risk of developing aortic stenosis, and it's what we see every day. Advancing age, people over the age of 65, cardiovascular risk factors like hypertension, diabetes, cigarette smoking, and other conditions, chronic kidney disease, coronary artery disease. If we don't think about aortic stenosis, we're not going to find it. So if someone reports these sorts of things, grab your stethoscope. Have a listen to their chest. Maybe you haven't listened to their chest for a long time or ever because they've you know, not come to you very often or they come with other reasons. This is a condition in which we can intervene. We can make a difference with surgical aortic valve replacement and nowadays with modern therapies with transcutaneous aortic valve implantation. This has now been extended to older people who previously would have been felt to be not suitable for surgery. You say, oh, that person's old, they're not going to survive an operation. This is not a general anaesthetic operation necessarily. It's a procedure which is done under sedation and local anaesthetic in the femoral artery, and this can make a huge difference to symptoms and survival, keeping people out of hospital, and really make a difference to their quality of life. If you think someone has aortic stenosis when you listen to their heart, or if they have those symptoms of shortness of breath, fatigue, syncope, chest pain, if you listen to the heart and you hear a murmur, either refer them for an echocardiogram or send them to see their cardiologist. Listen, suspect, refer. Uh, the diagnosis, um, you, first of all, the thing is to think about it. Uh, you, it. The rash can mimic things like chicken pox, 
doesn't really look like measles, but possibly could look like um, scabies or um, staphylococcal skin infections. As I mentioned, the lymphadenopathy is an important thing. Um, if you, the sam samples to collect include a sample from the lesion, um, and the, that is collecting from the roof of the lesion or fluid from the lesion in a dry sterile tube and wearing appropriate PPE centering and sending to a centralised laboratory where they will be doing PCR testing on that particular swab. Uh, PCR in the blood is not done that um, often because there's low yield because the viremia is only short-lived and serology is, is not recommended. Um, so I think the important thing with, with the um, uh, diagnosis is that if you do suspect it, then really you need to phone infectious diseases uh, probably um, you know, in your local state um, and get their advice and they will guide you through collection of the sample uh, if they want you to do that or they might ask you to send the person to a particular site uh, where the sample can be collected and I think there's a desire to have these samples tested in centralised laboratory. There is some treatment. Uh, these are the listing here from the CDC website. Uh, there's sodofovir, um, tecoviramat and vaccinia immunoglobulin. Um, these things have been looked at in vitro, um, but data is not really available yet um, um, on the treating the human cases. So there's some, some work still to be done there. If the patient does um, have a confirmed case, then they obviously need to isolate because those lesions can be the source of transmission. If the lesions are easily covered, then try and cover them. Uh, the person should be separated from other family members where possible and should ideally not leave home except for go to medical care. Um, and they shouldn't really have any visitors to the house and um, there's a lot of information here on the CDC website link that I've given you and I'm sure there'll be more information coming from Australian authorities very soon. Uh, in terms of prevention of this, there is evidence that the smallpox vaccine um, did have some effectiveness against monkeypox. Estimates are that it's about 85% effective, particularly if the smallpox vaccine was given recently. Um, US has a couple of licensed uh, smallpox vaccines um, there is an Australian stockpile, although I'm not particularly sure um, how much doses there are. And as you may or may not have been involved in smallpox administration years ago, it's a specialised way to give it an intradermal um, vaccination. Uh, there are contraindications and there'll be updates to the Australian Immunisation Handbook underway. Um, um, and the CDC recommends that the vaccine can be used within four days of exposure in order to prevent onset of the disease. So in summary, I think if you suspect a case of um, uh, monkeypox based on the person's clinical story, so that's the rash, the lymphadenopathy, and they may have been a traveller, um, they may have possible contact with another case, then seek local um, infectious diseases advice and follow their instruction, which may involve collecting a, a lesion, a sample from the lesion, um, but I think the best thing to do and the best advice for the, you guys in primary healthcare land is to follow the local advice um, from the infectious diseases clinicians. So thanks very much for listening. Just a quick reminder as we wrap up to encourage you to register for the next webcasts where you can always catch a high quality lineup of speakers and topics that Health Ed has put together for you. 
HealthEd webcasts are carefully created to provide high-quality video and audio so that you have the best possible learning experience. It's free, you get CPD points, and it's all delivered directly to the digital device of your choice, wherever you choose to be. Register now at healthed.com.au. You can claim RACGP CPD points for listening to this podcast using the self-claim option. Log into your account on the RACGP website, go to the CPD section and click on self-claim.